0: Christmas week. We really haven't actually spent, this may be our first Christmas we've spent with both uh, sides of the family, and uh, we drove, some of you probably saw pictures by now, but we drove over to Illinois. uh, It's about nine hours, ten hours with a baby, ten and a half sometimes, depends on what you do. Uh, Eleven hours if you're driving a snowstorm, but uh, we we had a good time with them. We did get caught a little bit in some of that whatever it was, but... um, we we were right in Omaha, Fremont, and when you're that far, it's like you can't turn back now. You got to keep going. So uh, we were stopping and going and stopping and going, but we made it in safely. And and then it's good to have the in-laws in, and and uh, my sister-in-laws, Katie and Heidi, and of course my father-in-law, Randy and and Earlene, James, uh, just visiting and with us. They're heading out tonight. I think it is. You no, know, tomorrow morning. So things have changed. I think maybe since last we spoke, but. Um, Needless to say, I'm thankful for them, and thankful we had the time together, and, uh, you know, on top of all that, having time that Caleb's able to spend with the grandparents is, is important, amen, and uh, spending time with family, and then, and also with aunts and uncles, you know, I, I didn't really grow up uh, where I really got a lot of that, and so my, my desire for Caleb is that he would be able to have time, uh, not just with grandma and grandpa, but also with, with aunts and uncles, and, and um, that's, is important, amen and uh, giving time for family and so uh, thankful for that Thankful for this Christmas season looking forward into the new year my mind has been everywhere to be honest with you I'm thinking in this new year I'm excited Uh, you know you kind of start with a clean slate sort of mind in in some ways Uh, I'm excited for what the Lord has for us and I know there's going to be times where you know with all of our COVID and masks and everything where it's just going to be maybe a little difficult we got to get through Uh, but I believe the Lord has a lot of um, opportunity that's sitting right in front of us. Amen? And the city, the city of Norfolk, uh, the opportunity that's before us. I'm not sure we believe that. You believe there's opportunity? Amen? There's opportunity right in front of us. And uh, God's given us the city of Norfolk to be able to minister to. And, uh, you know, there are, there are many other gospels, many other teachings that are there, uh, but there's only one true gospel. Amen? And I know, according to the word of God, that we believe it, that we preach it, that we teach it here and uh, that it's changed our lives, and God can use us to change others' lives. And uh, so as we think into this new year, I'm trying to think of, a, of, a, of kind of a theme we can kind of push at and um, uh, what we can go forward in. And you say, well, you know, what the theme, What's a the theme do? Well, theme just gives us that direction. And the theme gives us something to, uh, um, to help us to set some goals, to set, help us to set the priorities. And so you say, well, I have my own theme. That's okay. All right, this will be the theme for the church we'll push forward in. Philippians chapter uh, number 1, and uh, we're looking in verse number 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. I'll read it once uh, myself, and then if you would join with me um, on Philippians 1, verse 27. We'll read it together the second time. The Word of God says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We'll read that again, everyone together, ready, begin. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want you to notice the end of that phrase. The Bible says, for the faith of the gospel. The striving together, the working together, everything that we do in the Christian life is for the gospel. And all God's people said, amen. That is to be and should be our ultimate goal. But may I say, the gospel can be known and received, but it can be possible that the church does not strive together for the work of the gospel. you're saying there's two sides of a coin, it's not just the togetherness, it's not just the striving, but yet the striving does not just happen with the pastor, the striving happens with the church, and the church is God's people, amen? I present to you this, this morning as we would push towards and think towards this new year and ask you this question, will we strive together for the faith of the gospel? Will we strive together for the faith of the gospel? You know, there's so many other things that we can do, that we can strive towards. We could go out and start some kind of a community outreach and and, uh, build relationships and get to know people, and while there's a time and place for that, I wholeheartedly believe in that is necessary at its time, but may the gospel never be forgotten. Amen? We could do Sunday schools. We could have crafts. We could do uh, games together. We can have youth activities, and, and uh, we have them right now. We're doing about two a month, sometimes more than that. We can have winter rallies. We can have vacation Bible schools. We can have uh, teen camp, and uh, we can do other big push and efforts, but at the end of the day, what we should be striving to do is not to see how good that craft is, not to see how many people we can have, not to see uh, what, what uh, what we're able to do in and of ourselves, but to see what God can do through the power of the gospel. Amen? It's a striving together. It's a working together. And may I say, too many churches in America are not striving together. Some are striving, but there's not the togetherness. Some churches are together, but they're not striving. Here's, here's the focus for this morning. Are we striving together for the faith of the gospel? Are we together for, with an effort to go forward for Christ. May I remind you that we are in a battle. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11, where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes, we have the opportunity that's right before us in a place like Norfolk, and the, and the, and, but yet consider now the sin in your city. Some of you got visitors here this morning. Consider the sin in the city of Norfolk. Consider the lack of emphasis upon the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about just and only the love of Christ. There's a lot of that that's floating around. A lot of people sit around and they sit in a circle and they all talk about the love of God. You know, it doesn't just start and stop at the love of God. Why does God love us? Why did God die for us? Why is the gospel given? Why is his love so important? We can't just dwell upon his attributes. We can't just strive and, and, and portray those attributes. But we together must do it for this simple and only truth of the gospel. Amen? That others would be brought to Christ. I praise the Lord the last two Sundays we've seen a, a, someone come to know the Lord. Amen? We saw someone respond after our uh, Christmas program. We saw a, a young a uh, girl respond in the children's church just that prior Sunday. What a wonderful thing. Praise the Lord. Amen? Seeing people one to Christ. May that be our striving together to see people regularly brought to Christ. But may I remind you, the striving together does not just happen within these walls. When we strive together, we do it beyond these walls. You say, wait a minute, uh, so-and-so that's sitting inside this room, they need to get off of their behind and they need to get up and do something. It, it, they, at the end of the day, it's, it's not what's so much done in here. Yes, we worship together, we grow together, we read the Word of God together, we pray together. What truly matters is what we're doing out here. We can be together all day and worship together and sing songs and have special music come up and have the pianists play music and, 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 and have all these different special things going on. But if we're striving together with no purpose, what purpose is there in life? The Bible tells us, as Christians, we should be striving together for the faith of the gospel. For the faith of the gospel. Remember that time that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? That saving faith that you put in him? That peace that came into your heart? That is why we should be doing everything we do at Community Bible Church. Somebody says, well, why aren't we doing this? Or why shouldn't we do this? Or why can't we do this? At the end of the day, here's what the bottom line should be. Are we striving together for the sake of the gospel? Amen? May that be our goal. May that be our focus. You know, the the most difficult thing, and I've listened to a lot of preachers and, and, uh, you know, trying to train myself and put myself under... Teaching and things, and listening listen to a bunch of audiobooks on the way uh, back and forth from Illinois and that sort of thing, just trying to, to, to help sharpen myself and, and uh, being reminded as a pastor uh, with a church like Community Bible Church, with a great foundation and past and history of great men of God behind it, uh, there's been a big ship that's built. The big ship doesn't turn fast. Uh, the new captain, myself, of the ship, Sometimes I like to turn a little bit fast. Me and my spizzering my youthfulness, I like to jump at things sometimes a little too fast. At the end of the day, it's not about me trying to man the ship. It's not about me trying to do what I want to do. It's not about you trying to do what you want to do with the church, trying to, this group doing this and this group doing that. It's that we do all that we do for the furtherance of the gospel. Amen? That others would come to know Christ. That the gospel would be heard. That through outreach programs and reaching our community and building relationships, that we would then have further opportunity of the gospel. That going out and knocking on doors and speaking to people we've never talked to, that others would hear the gospel. That doing it together as God's people, stretching ourselves beyond what we're comfortable for. Somebody says, I've never done that before. I've never done these things. I can't do that in church. I've never done Well, who are you doing it for? Why is it you're unsure about doing it? Why is it there's a lack of boldness or confidence to pray before publicly pray before your congregation, your own people within the church? Why is it there's a lack of hesitation to speak to somebody you've never spoken to and share with them the greatest thing in all the world? Why is it that we can become so concerned about everything else under the sun and we can forget our purpose? The purpose is not that we get a great pianist up here. The purpose is not that we get a great pastor up here. The purpose is not that we fill up this auditorium. The purpose is not that we go and start a Christian school. The purpose is not that we go and we're in absolutely everything in the community and everyone knows who we are. The purpose is the gospel. Amen? And we must strive together for the faith of the gospel. We must work together together. As one mind, as one body, there's no, uh, there, there is no coincidence that as we see the further conversation in Philippians chapter 2, what does he say? We just learned it in, in Sunday school this morning. Let this mind be in you, which is also in who? By Jesus. God says, let's have the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? Others. The gospel. It's not about us. It's not about myself. It's not about what I think. It's not about what I can do. In order for me to truly have the mind of Christ, I must humble myself, I must lower myself, I must become in the form of a servant, thinking of Jesus, then others, and and then myself. But may I say, sometimes that becomes backwards. Amen? Sometimes we can think of that in the wrong order. Sometimes we can think of others first, and then God, and then ourselves. Sometimes it's, it's ourselves first, and then others, and then God. Let me ask you, at the end of the day, you want a joyful life, you want a peaceful life, that's the whole very theme of Philippians joy you want joy in your life let the gospel of peace let the gospel of peace so change your life and influence your life to make a difference not alone but together with God's people amen God says I will build my church somebody says this is my church at the end of the day yes it is our church this is God's church Paul said I have planted I have watered, but it is God." who gave the increase. God gives the increase. We can do all that we can in our power of what we think is best, but until we have a mind of Christ and let God bring the increase and we do it together, we're not striving together. And we've lost the focus. You know, I say as we think towards 2021, the goal and the focus must be for the furtherance of the gospel. I want to give to you this morning some essentials for victory within this battle that we're facing, within the world that we're living today. How can we protect the faith? How can we strive together for this uh, faith of the gospel? Number one, I want you to notice with me, the Bible tells us of the conduct of the gospel. There must be a conduct of the gospel. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27, as we just read, the word of God says, only let your conversation be as it be the gospel of Christ. If you know the context of chapter 1, you would know he's just given an introduction. He said, I've been praying for you, and I love you in Christ, and I pray this for you and that for you, and you were with me together within my imprisonments and within my, my sufferings and my persecution. You were there together with me. He's talking to the Christians, and now he gives this charge at the end of the chapter. He says, let your conversation. Yes, it does include your conversation of your mouth, but more particularly your conversation of your life, every part of your life every part of your life you see striving together for the faith of the gospel it all has to do with our conduct it all has to do with our conduct philippians chapter 3 if you want to take just a page over verse number 20 the bible says for our conversation is in heaven that's a good phrase you should mark that our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus christ Here's what's being said here. Our conversation is in heaven. That is to say, you have a heavenly citizenship, and therefore, you have and should have a heavenly attitude. We're not just talking about angelic, heavenly attitude. That's not what we're speaking of. We're speaking of, as a citizen in the army of God, there is a way in which you should be living. And it's not just a portion of your life. It's in all of your life. It's your entire life, your whole conversation, the Bible says. Notice the conduct of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to turn there with me. We get Paul's yet further writings and his thoughts upon this idea of the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're talking about striving together for the faith of the gospel. There must be a conduct that is had, and we see Paul in more than one instance in this particular case, his emphasis which he brings in his own life. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, the Word of God says, For though I preach the gospel... I have nothing to glory of. Wait a second. Somebody says, Paul's preaching. Shouldn't he be proud of the fact that he's preaching? Shouldn't he join the fact that he's preaching? Well, he's not saying that he doesn't join those things. He's saying my glory is not of myself. Notice, he continues, verse 16. For necessity is laid upon me. I'd underline that phrase if you haven't already or circle it. Necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He says, Oh, hold on, stop everything. If everything else in the Christian life if everything else in the Christian life did not have to do with the gospel, then why am I living? Woe unto me if I don't do my part. I don't preach for glory of myself. He says, I, I do. What I do, what I've been called to do for the sake of the gospel. You see, in Paul's case, he's called to preach. In your case, what are you called to do? Yes, you're doing, you're fulfilling your calling, you're working that secular job. Maybe you you work in some form. We've got some here, I know, that work in ministry or have worked in ministry. But the Bible says the conduct of the gospel, no matter what God has called you to do, the ultimate purpose should never change. The necessity is still the same. The gospel should still be at the forefront of your life. And if the mind of Christ is not our mind, if the striving together in a oneness of Christ for the ultimate purpose of the gospel is not in our own heart, it's not going to be lived out in our lives. though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. I can sit here all day and say, wow, well, I just get up, I'm preaching the gospel, I'm telling people they need to preach the gospel, they need to go out and tell the world. Well, what purpose does it do if the pastor gets up and he speaks a bunch and and the pastor doesn't do anything and the people don't do anything and we just go out to our own places and we just continue on with our week like normal. What do I have the glory of? Hey, Christian, what do you have the glory of if you sit in the pew and you hear the preaching and you know the teaching and you know what you could be doing and you know what you should be doing, but yet we aren't doing it. The Bible says there is to be a hearer and a doer of the word. You say, man, that's awfully strong. That's the Bible, amen? That's God's word. God says, to that that uh, disobedience is when we know what we should be doing and we know what we could be doing, but we're not making an effort to do it. So some of us we succeed at striving. Oh, you could you could tell me to go to work and I'll go to town on it. I'll get it done. I'll do everything. But we fail at the togetherness. Oh, so some of us succeed at the togetherness, but we fail at the striving. And I say, Christian, don't be cons- so concerned about either or. When you keep the gospel, the central focus, you will begin to strive and you will do it together with others. The conduct. What is your conduct when it comes to the gospel? Notice what the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number uh, 23. The Bible says, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. He says, everything I do is for the sake of the gospel. Notice he tells us of this necessity, as he mentioned in verse 16. Necessity is laid upon me. What is that necessity? Verse 14, the Bible tells us there is a necessity, number one, to live the gospel. There is a necessity to live the gospel. Even in verse 14, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should, what? Live the gospel. Somebody says, how do I live the gospel? What is the gospel? It's the good news of Christ. It's his death, his burial, his resurrection, his forgiveness, his love for all mankind, his way of salvation. The Bible tells us that should be lived out. You understand God has modeled the life that we should be living by the life he lived on this earth. His giving of himself, his forgiveness, his care, his working together, his not lifting himself up to be higher than. That was an example for us. And so we see that in what he now has left for us, that being the gospel, are we living it? How do I live it? Follow God's example. Take the gospel and go forward with it. And let's do it together. Amen. Amen. My goal is not to get up here and say, here's our vision for the new year, and here's the things we should push at. And Pastor Miller's going to go, and we've got our pianist, Abby's going to help, and, and we've got our organist, uh, Mrs. Wontog, is going to help, and we've got our Sunday school teachers, are up behind me, and I've got uh Brother Michael, he's up behind me with the teenagers and, and uh I've got song leader, Brother Thornton's up behind me. And man, we're just gonna get the gospel preached behind the pulpit every single every single week, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and boy, we're gonna fill up the house of God. I could get up and we could do that and we could we could all rejoice in what we've done. Or we could say, you know what? There might be a few cues that are empty. There might be a few teachers that are missing. There might be a pianist that's not here that week, or an organist that's not here that week. The song leader might be sick that week. The pastor may be out with (laughs) COVID-19. Something didn't happen according to the order and the plan. But hey, at the end of the day, if the gospel is a central focus, we've done what we need to do. Amen? You see, God did not just leave us on this earth to only worship him. Yet some Christians live their lives with a togetherness mind and a no-striving mind. Some Christians live their lives with a striving, but yet there's no togetherness. I may mean, say, Christians, if we are ever to see God bring his blessing upon Community Bible Church, we must strive together for the faith of the gospel. And it, it, it is tied into our conduct, our way of living. There is a necessity to live the gospel. Number two, there is a necessity to commit to the gospel. Verse 15 the Bible says, but I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory Lord. You know, one of the greatest things in not having ever met Pastor Hoisinger, but I, I know from having read some of his material, that the, the different testimonies of things, heard testimonies from others, I know that his heart was that the gospel would go forward. I know at the end of the day, his heart was not that, that we would stop and we would say, wow, what a great man. Too bad he's gone. Can't do anymore. No, I know his heart would say, you know what? Don't think about me. Think about the gospel. I know he'd say as being the founder of this church, having been, even worked together with a founding pastor, that the very heart and soul of a pastor when starting a church is to further the outreach of the gospel. Amen? That would be that hard. And what is left is not to just simply be a memory, but it's to be helping us to drive forward, to draw together, to strive, to keep the vision. And the original vision was not just to build a church. It was not just to have ministries. It was not just to have great people come and attend. It was that the gospel would go forward committing to the gospel. Let me ask you Christian how committed are you to the gospel now by the way I'm not talking about commitment to church God doesn't keep a tally up in heaven Here you have been to church all these days wow you get you, you get more no God God doesn't give yes God will bless the individual who's faithful to his house but God's not keeping a tally for the person who by works is being faithful and there where they should be you know what God has left us upon this earth to do to disciple others to go into all the world and preach the gospel If that is not our focus, we can never go forward. Amen? That is not our focus. It must be the centralization and a togetherness of mind, the necessity to commit to the gospel. Paul says, don't look at what I can do. I am nothing. Don't look at my abilities. Don't look at my skills. Hey, when I die, don't even think about me. Because what it would be better for to do is that nobody would remember me, but they would remember the gospel. And Christians, some of us, our commitment to the gospel only go, is only about—it's really only flesh deep. It's all about ourselves. Whatever we can make work for our our, our schedule, whatever's convenient for us, it's what we think is best. It's what we think should be done. It's what we think is the right way. What about God's way? At the end of the day, if we are fulfilling the work of the gospel, you're going to hate me if I say this, maybe. But hey, nothing else does matter. Amen. Hey, we can get up here. We could get a song leader. He's completely out of tune. I'm not saying about Brother Thornton, but we could get somebody out who sings out of tune. We get special music up here, and people who try to sing and don't actually sing. We could sing it all a cappella without a piano or an organ. We could sound absolutely terrible in our worship. But hey, at the end of the day, if the gospel is being preached and Christ is the center. That's all that should matter. We could have a rickety-rackety pulpit, and praise God we don't. We could have a, a, a platform that's falling apart. Somebody says, why don't you paint that wall? Somebody says, why don't you take down that wall? Somebody says, why don't you do this to that door? Why don't you take off that window? Why don't we do this and that? At the end of the day, here's what matters. The gospel and what we do in Community Bible Church should always have a purpose to bring us further in striving together for the faith of the gospel. Amen. We don't just have a pianist so we can worship. We don't just have a song leader so we can only worship. We don't just have a pastor so that we can just sit in here preaching. We don't have a ladies' meeting every month just so that ladies can get together and feel good when they get out. We don't have team meetings so that they can get together and and play games together and have a good time. We do it for the sake of the gospel. And at the end of the day, if that is what's being preached, if that is what's being taught, if that is what the focus and the goal is, we've done our part. Amen? May we strive together. May we work together. The Bible says there's a necessity to commit to the gospel. How committed are you? Number three, there is a necessity to preach the gospel. He says in verse 16, as I read it a moment ago, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Philippians 1 and verse 21, as we were in a moment ago, the word of God says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Somebody says, Wow, that's great. Yeah, you're right. Let's go forward. Let's get the gospel. But wait. The Bible continues, Matthew 28, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I commanded you. You know what he's saying in that passage? Here you are, you're a heavenly citizen of the Lord, as we just read a moment ago. You're in the army of God. You've received the gospel, which changed your life. You know that it needs to go into all the world. But at the end of the day. When we are made disciples and followers of Christ, we should be teaching others also. Disciples making disciples. Amen? That's striving together. Striving together is the gospel's changed my life. I'm now a follower of Christ, and so now I'm going to help others to be a follower. Somebody says, yeah, I'm raising my children to be followers of Christ. Look, if your Christian life is just consumed into your own family, you've missed the whole purpose. The Bible doesn't say go into the walls of your home and reach your family only. The Bible says go into all the world. He doesn't say go into all the world, pastors. He doesn't say go into all the world, all ye who are called to the ministry. No, he says go into all the world, Christians, God's people, go, strive together, disciple, make more disciples. Let that be the focus. Stay committed to it. Preach it, teach it, live it. Let it be your very life, your conduct. Every part of your life is eating, sleeping, and breathing the gospel. And I say that should be our desire, is that if we're known for anything else, if anyone knows our heart, God brings us off of this earth, that they would know that we did all we can to get the gospel. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. You say, you're expecting perfection. No, God's just telling us His original intent for us upon this earth God's intent is that we be conformed to his image and then therefore being in his image with a mind of Christ that we go forward with the gospel together in Christ that's God's purpose not that we would live our lives how we think is best or what we feel is comfortable I don't want to do that, oh I've never done that before oh I don't don't do those things don't ever ask me to do that unfortunately that's how we as Christians can live at the end of the day here's what matters are you doing, you and I, are we doing our part? Are we going forward? You say, well, you can't get the gospel out if it's not done well. That's right. You've got to, we put our best at it. We put our best foot forward. But sometimes the best isn't much. But you know what? We could sit and say, oh, woe is me. We don't have. We could say, oh, praise the Lord. The gospel went forward. Amen? The Bible tells us a second thing. We see the conduct of the gospel. Back in Philippians chapter 1, we see a determination of the gospel. As I read and have mentioned to you already, that word striving, the Bible says, stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving. That word striving means to endure in a contest or to contend in public games. How can we further describe the striving I want you to understand first number one striving requires discipline striving requires discipline in first corinthians chapter 9 i want to bring you to a few passages that paul has also wrote and written uh, uh, concerning this striving first corinthians 9 and verse number 24 first corinthians 9 and verse number 24 The Word of God says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run, that is, so strive, not by yourself, strive together that ye may, what, obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. This should be pretty well understood. A runner cannot win a race if he doesn't learn to have self-control. When Christmas time rolls around, he can't be putting down all the Oreo balls and the chocolate-covered pretzels like I did this Christmas. There's got to be a self-control, a self-discipline. When when there's a race that's ahead of him, he's got to practice. He's got to prepare his muscles, prepare his body, exercise himself, focus his mind some people use music to help to bring the focus. Some people wear weights to help to bring a a, a, larger, a bigger muscle, an easier gain. Uh, some people uh, run as hard as they can, whatever the case may be. However you run, you may not run as fast, you may not run as quick, you may not train the same way, but are you self-disciplining yourself? Say, so what do you mean? Notice verse 27 of First Corinthians 9, the Bible says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. lest." Thereby, by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Self-discipline is with this goal in mind that we would not be disobedient to God. God's given us a command. God's given us the great commission. Amen? That's what we are to go forward with. A castaway it literally means to be disapproved, to be unobedient to God. Say how do I self-discipline myself? Obey. You would God have to do, but I never did. It's okay. Obey. But I've never run that race. It's okay. Obey. But I don't know how to put those weights on it, or it's too heavy for me, or or I've never run this thing before. I don't know where I'm going. Is the gospel going forward? Then you're doing what you need to do. Amen. The Bible says striving requires discipline. If you're running to obtain. If you're running to obtain, it doesn't matter how you run. If the gospel is there, if the gospel is preached, if the gospel is taught, if that's the central focus, you've done your part. Hey, Christian, maybe you're here this morning and there's something that you've refrained from doing in your Christian life because you say, I can't, I don't want to, I've never done. Can I be a little blunt with you? Shame on you. The obedient Christian says, I'm going to do what God has commanded for me to do, and I'm going to obtain. I'm going to do, even though I may have never done, if it's with its ultimate purpose, it's to fulfill the gospel. Look, think about this. something so small. We'll start in the, just the ministry of Community Bible Church. You realize that the ushers in this church can do what they do for the sake of the gospel? They can. Do you realize that a man who stands up and publicly prays in the, in the church service, he can do what he does for the sake of the gospel? you realize that a song leader can do the same? You say, well, yeah, that's a straightforward. How about something so small, shoveling snow? How about something in the between which people don't often see, mowing the grass? How about uh, the, the, the those little things, we would call them, those little things in life that we choose not to do? Let me tell you, it's many little things that make a big work. And when we as striving together Christians take those little things, and we do it not for the purpose of self, not because I can't or I don't want to, but we strive to obtain. And we've self-disciplined ourselves to have a mind of Christ and be obedient to him. Striving requires discipline. Number two, striving requires forgetting. Striving requires forgetting. In Philippians chapter 3, if you want to turn there with me, we see yet another passage of Paul's uh, illustration of the runner in a race. Remember, as he's just told us in Philippians 1, that word striving, it means to endure. The enduring is not always easy. To endure in a contest or to contend within a game. And it's a more than one case that he gives us a description to help us to further understand what our focus should be. Philippians 3, verse 13, the word of God says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things, what? Which are being. And what? Reaching forth unto those things which are before. Hey, Christian, you know what keeps many people from striving together? Stay with me, because we can't forget and reach forward. Amen? You say, wait a minute. Are you telling me I'm supposed to forget absolutely about everything in the past? There's a lot of good in the past. You realize that idea of forgetting. It's saying, yes, you remember, you acknowledge, but don't keep your eyes focused on the past. Reach forth. Reach forth that you may attain striving together. Christians, I'm talking to many people. You've been in a, a part of a ministry that's beyond my knowledge of what God has done here, but I can see the results of it. God's done a great work here in the past. Amen? You know, but, may, but may I say, in order for us to truly strive together for the faith of the gospel, We've got to be able to remember and forget the past and reach forward. You say, "Wait a minute! The way you're reaching forward is different. The way the bus driver is driving that bus is different. The way the teachers are teaching is different. The way that this and that—it's not how it used to be." But are we reaching forward for the gospel? Are we doing that we may obtain? Are we striving together for me to live? Is Christ to die again? What purpose? do we have in Community Bible Church if we can hold on to the past and not see what God can do in the future? Amen? You say, that's not easy to do. You're right. It's not easy to do. Memories are things that always flood into your mind. Memories are things you don't just, especially with people you love and with great things that have been done, you don't just simply forget, forget. But the idea is that it would not distract you from reaching forward. The idea is, is that it would not distract you to obtain. And by the way, may I remind you that sometimes the reaching forward has to change, catch this, in order to reach that generation. You see, every generation is different. You say, well, duh, I was never using a cell phone. <laughs> I, I didn't even have a landline phone. I, I, I didn't even have a box TV. I remember when this, you're right. You've been there. Different generation. Therefore... The method to reach that generation, stay with me, the method to reach that generation can change, but the message should stay the same, amen? So, you've got a pastor's reaching forward this way, you say, I've never seen somebody reach forward that way, it's okay, is the gospel going forward? You say, a Sunday school teacher's reaching forward this way, I've never seen somebody reach forward that way, it's okay, is the gospel going forward? You say, I've never heard a pianist truly play the piano like that. It's not how I used to hear a pianist play. It's okay. Is the gospel going forward? Somebody says, Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm so used to hearing the organ. And by the way, I know Mrs. Wontox made it very clear her desire is somebody would step up. God leaves you to play the organ. Just know we're looking for an organist, okay? And uh, Mrs. Wontox does a wonderful job with what she does. But hey, you can't hold on to the past. Amen? We can't just do what's always been done. We've got to reach forward. In order to reach the next generation, there must be a mind of Christ of how we can reach that next generation. Say, well, have you ever done that before? You know, part of reaching forward. You always win every race you run? No. Sometimes you come in second place, last place. Depends on how big you are too, but sometimes you don't always win that race. You fall, what do you do? You get back up. Let me tell you, when you strive together we're running together. Here's what happens in churches sometimes. Here's, here's a Sunday school teacher. Here's a song leader. Here's the pastor. There's the pianist. Here's all the people that are serving within God's house and within God's ministry, God's people. They're the ones who are moving. And here's somebody else who's down the ground and says, hey, buddy, how you doing? We're just running on right by him. But the striving together says, disciples making disciples. Here, let me show you how to run. Let me show you how to run this place. And as you're running, what's the goal? What's the prize? Well, the finish line is that others would be won to the gospel. So I'm discipling, I'm training that others would know. And I'm doing and I'm running for the purpose that others would know. It's not so that I can succeed. It's not so that I can get a trophy at the end and say, "Wow, look at what I've done. Forget the past. Reach forward. God forbid, woe is me that I should live. If I not be known for the gospel, Paul says, a determination of the gospel. Striving requires discipline. Striving requires forgetting. Number three, striving requires work. Striving requires work. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Why don't you turn there with me? First Corinthians 3. I referenced this verse already once. If you haven't marked it, I would. This is a very, uh, very important verse upon this principle which we're talking about. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. The word of God says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers, by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Notice, I have planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that water. You know, all of us would say amen to that. We'd say, wow, you're right. God gives the increase. God gives the increase. God bless our church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get down on my knees. Let me tell you, Christian, praying's great. Faithfulness is great. Support, even in giving, is great. Those are things which should be done. But if you're not working and doing all that you can your part, physically, mentally, with all of your heart, wholeheartedly serving the Lord you still miss the point. I say, wait a minute. Are you telling me prayer is not important? I'm not saying that. Are you saying that faithfulness or giving and tithe, all those things are not important? I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that knowing that God gives the increase, God can only bring the increase through you and I. We must choose to go forward. We must put the foot forward to go. Who are the runners? Not God you and I. Somebody says, oh yeah, God bless, God bless. Wow, this keeps coming. Oh oh, man, the future's going long today. God says, if you're striving together, you're going to be working. It's a contending, it's an enduring, as we talked about that word, striving. It's not easy. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be things you've never done. There's going to be obstacles to jump for you've never jumped over before. But at the end of the day, if the gospel is a central focus, we've kept our part. Amen? The Bible tells us striving requires work. Let me give you the last thing. The Bible tells us the harmony of the gospel. The harmony of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, we've already seen together the determination of striving. We've seen together that the conduct is concerning our conversation, our very life, but the harmony... Is as Philippians 1.27 tells us, stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together. One spirit, one mind, together. Why do we do what we do? We do it for the gospel. Who do we do it with? God's people, the church. How do we do it? With one spirit, with one mind, together. Sometimes Christians are running races and one's running this way, one's running that way, one's running this way. Some are striving, but they're not together. The Bible says the harmony of the gospel. Notice Philippians chapter 1, if you would, in verse number 3. The word of God says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know what he's done? He's talking to people who are alive. He's already, he's, he's not, it's not that he's thinking on the past. Don't misunderstand that verse speaking to the Christian, the present. He says, you're on my mind. I'm thinking about you. I'm there for you. You're on my mind. Notice verse 7. Even as it is meet for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart. He says, you're not only on my mind, but you're in my heart. I care for you. I love you. I'm there for you. Verse 8, the Bible says, for God is my record. How greatly I long after you in all the battles of Jesus Christ. You see, these Christians were on his mind, they were on his heart. Let me ask you, Christian, are your fellow Christians within this auditorium and maybe some who are not here this morning, are your fellow Christians on your mind, are they on your heart? Let me tell you, at the end of the day, sometimes it can be so on our mind and our heart that we forget to strive. They were on Paul's mind and his heart to such an extent that he was able to say, let your, conversation, let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel. You see, because a true friend, a true person who cares, has another person on their mind and has them on their heart, if somebody who says, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm going to disciple you also. You see, the goal should be that we are discipling others. The goal should be that we are helping others also to grow in Christ. There's a harmony within it. As you take instruments and they're played well and they they make a beautiful sound, so God's church makes a beautiful sound for the sake of the gospel when we all with one mind do what we do for God's purpose. Out of care and love. Notice the Bible tells us that there's a harmony through prayer. A harmony through prayer. Look at chapter 1, verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making requests with joy. He says, in every prayer... For you. Look at, look at verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So what's that first thing he's praying for them about? This harmony through prayer. He prays for love to abound. That word abound means to be in excess. So as Christians we should be praying that nothing in this world would limit our church from the love of Christ. We're praying for each other because our hearts are in one with one another our minds are together one spirit one mind one heart pray that nothing in this world will limit our church from the love of Christ let me ask you is there something in your life that's keeping you that's keeping you from sharing the love of Christ is love abounding in your life you Say well I know who's not the love is not abounding in well pray for him amen pray for him pray that, God's love, what about in their life? Disciples making disciples. Come alongside of them. Exhort them. Comfort them. Encourage them. Help them to grow in the Lord. Get to work, God says. You can't run the race and sit down. You can't run the race without self-discipline. You can't run the race in your own power. You need the work of God, uh, the the power of God. And, And to take the work of God forward, you must do it with your eye on the prize, forgetting the past, Reaching forward, enduring within the race. He prayed, secondly, for discernment. In verse 9, he says, A knowledge in all judgment. He prays for love to abound, but he prays for knowledge in, uh, for knowledge in all judgment. The prayer of our church should be so sensitive to all things that it keeps, that, that uh, our prayers should be so sensitive to the needs of others that um, the love of God is being exemplified. What I'm trying to say is, is there are things that can keep the love of God from being exemplified. And it is those things of our knowledge and our judgment of things. Sometimes our own mind, without the mind of Christ, can bring us down a road that's not at all gospel-focused. Pray for others, for knowledge and in all judgment. God, help my fellow Christians to thrive together with me. They're in my heart. They're on my mind. Number three, pray for God's approval. That they may be approved, the Bible says, of all things. Verse 10, more excellent. That word approved means examined or test. So our prayers should be uh, with a careful, ex- uh, that, that others would carefully examine things that are approved for God, before God. Somebody says, well, I know so-and-so. I, I heard that so-and-so is doing this and that with their life. Well, pray for them. Amen? Pray for them. Pray for God's approval to be done in their life. And by the way, let's pray that God's approval would be done in this church. Amen? That what we do would receive God's approval and not man's approval. We don't do it for man. Hey, if, if, if I, if I lead this church as a pastor and I do it for only your approval, I'm going to fail terribly. Amen, Brother Tereen. must be done for Christ. Number four, pray for a good testimony. The Bible says that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Paul prays that they would genuinely and sincerely want to do what's right because because of their testimony of God. That he may be sincere and without offense. That nothing could be said against you. That there would be nothing but genuineness in your desire to live for God. He says, that's my prayer. That's my prayer. You see, harmony in the church is through prayer. Harmony number two is through fellowship in the gospel. moving along here for sake of time. Verse 5, the word of God says in Philippians 1, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Notice the Bible says fellowship in the gospel. There is a partnership in the gospel. Since the day in which they were changed by the gospel, they now became partners together in the gospel. May I say sometimes that fellowship is broken. Amen. We as God's people need to mend those relationships because we're to be striving together. Number, number three, the Bible says harmony by defending the gospel together. Verse seven, even as it is meet for me to think uh, this of you all because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. You see, they were with him in his defense of the gospel when things were tough. They were t- it was tough together. Striving together. When he fell, they fell with him. When he didn't succeed, they helped him to get back up, and they kept running the race. You know what happens sometimes in churches? So-and-so goes forward with something, and they fall flat on their face, fail miserably. And you say, wow, why in the world did you do that anyway? I told you not to do that. That's not how the church goes forward. It's driving together. Let me help you out. We're in this together. You fall, I fall. And we tried to go forward with the gospel there. That didn't work. Let's try another way. At the end of the day, here's what matters. The gospel. Reaching forward. Forgetting. Let me give you the last thing here. The Bible tells us harmony by furthering the gospel. Verse 12. But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Everything that happened was for a furtherance. Community Bible Church Here's what our focus should be as we move towards twenty and twenty-one. That what we do is done together, that we're striving, we're running together, and that why we do we do it for the furthering of the God. That's for true harmony, is, true joy It's the very theme of Philippians. Is. Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty five, the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as we see that they approach him. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, the word of God says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And I say that is God's desire for our church. That we would be, as we read the verse, Philippians 1, verse 27, that our conversation would be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that we would stand fast with one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Lord I pray that you would help us as Christians.